everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com, your home to thoughtful conversations on film. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and today I'll be joined by my one and only COVID pandemic partner in crime, the video peach, Lauren Weingart, and we'll be reviewing Pixar's newest movie that is dropping on Disney Plus on Christmas Day, Soul. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, if you're tuning in, this movie is dropping tomorrow. Lauren, the video peach. Welcome to the Cinematic Schematic. Thank you, Caleb. It's I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm so thrilled that you joined me. You know, it only took us until the end of a pandemic and a Pixar movie going straight to Disney Plus for me to to twist your arm and to get a podcast. But you know, we can't see a lot of people this year. So, mm-hmm. and you're my life every day. And so, why not talk about a Pixar movie, a, a, a favorite pastime of ours, watching Pixar movies together. Uh, I think it's great. Thank you for finally asking me to be on your podcast. <laughs> I, it's such an honor. So, <laughs> oh goodness, ladies and gentlemen, she's she she's she's very modest. I, I think I, I feel like I had to to drag her onto this, but um, she's up for the challenge. Now, listeners, before we get into today's review, I did want to note that if you're listening to the show today and you really enjoy the conversation, I hope you consider supporting the show by subscribing to the cinematic schematic on your preferred podcast app, whether it be Apple podcasts, whether it be Spotify, whether it be Stitcher radio, subscribing to the show and leaving us a rating and a review on your preferred podcast app. Bring the soul power to those reviews and ratings because we need it to get heard by more listeners just like you. Without further ado, I think it's time for us to jump into today's review of Pixar's soul. What the? What is this place? What's your name, honey? Uh, I'm Joe. I teach middle school band. Cut it, go for it. Today started out as the best day of my life. Back here tonight, first show's at seven. Yes! Woohoo! You know what that's gonna say? Joe Gardner! <laughs> I did it! I got the gig! Must have been sudden for you. Pixar's soul is described by IMDb as a musician who has lost his passion for music, is transported out of his body, and must find his way back with the help of an infant soul learning about themselves. I think that's an especially vague synopsis from IMDb. Classic. Classic. Now, Lauren, before we jump into our specific thoughts on soul. I did want to learn a little bit about your history with Pixar movies. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about your particular experience. Maybe what are a couple of your favorite Pixar movies even? Of course. Well, I love Pixar movies. I I do. I am just a huge sucker for them. I get totally immersed in the worlds that are created in these movies. And they're always just Feel good movies. So, and I love animations in general. So, Pixar's always really get me. And of course, I love finding the Easter eggs. And 
you can always guarantee that there will be Easter eggs in Pixar movies. So I'm all about that as well. I have probably seen pretty much every Pixar movie. Some of them, maybe even more than I'd care to admit. Some of them? All of them? <laughs> all, all of them? <laughs> so some uh, so the the I remember the first one I've seen was Toy Story, naturally. Classic. And I did have the opportunity to I did a movie review when Toy Story 3D came out when the 3D craze was, you know, at its height, 2010. That was the year after Pixar, after uh, Avatar had come out. Yeah, so everyone I, was all about the 3D. Mm-hmm, yeah, that was that same year, and so, so that was really fun and dear to my heart. And then, of course, you know, great ones like Up, Inside Out. Uh, another one I really like is Ratatouille, and then another underrated one is Onward. I really like that one. Onward. That is a film that actually came out earlier this year. In fact. I hope I've got the, I hope I remember this right. I believe Onward was the last movie you and I saw together uh, in the theater before the pandemic started. I don't think it was the very last one, but definitely the last. One uh, of the last ones. One of the last screeners we definitely went to. Rest in peace, Onward, a movie that just never had a, quite had a chance. By the time that movie was released, there was already so much concern about the pandemic, even though things hadn't officially started shutting down kind of scared people away and then Disney unceremoniously dropped it on Disney plus. Like it wasn't like, like soul we've been, it, it's been for months coming and we're all excited. It's Christmas day. It's a big thing versus uh, onward, which is just like unceremoniously dropped on there, like on a weekend and people weren't really talking about it. So uh, yes, before I know soul is the film we're talking about today, but yeah, shout out to onward. I'm really glad you brought that one up, especially if you're a dungeons and dragons fan. It is literally a pick dungeons and dragons type story made by Pixar. It's great. Yes. If you like fantasy, watch this. Um, because yes, I don't, I, I wish it got a better release than it did because I think it deserves, uh, more credit because it really is a good movie. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Well, of course, long time listeners of the, the cinematic schematic and Previous my podcast back to the movies, uh, know that I'm also an avid Pixar fan, so I'm not going to belabor the point on some of my favorites. But uh, needless to say, I think they're a great studio. I I am personally always much more interested in the original stories they tell. I I mean, yeah, sure, The Incredibles two, actually, The Incredibles two wasn't very great. Um, but yeah, sure, Monster University that that was fine. The prequel, uh, the Toy Story sequels have shockingly been pretty consistently good even though the fourth one was kind of weird i still think it was overall a pretty good movie but uh this you know i've always interested in the originals so i'm thinking about 2017's coco was probably one of my favorite pixar movies of the last 10 years uh onward we saw earlier this year i thought was really charming and then of course the film we're here to talk about today which is soul now soul is a film that is uh, written and directed by pete doctor for those of you who don't keep up with the stable of pixar directors who are always making their rounds pete doctor previously made probably the greatest animated film of the 2010s inside out which is just uh, I, I i say genius like i i seriously think that movie is operating on uh, a level of sophistication that very few films achieve in the sense that it is, it was very creative. It was able to create, really communicate extremely complex emotions in ways that children can understand. And also I do believe it helped parents figure out how to 
talk to their children about their emotions, which is a very hard thing to talk about. So because emotions are messy and complicated. So anyway, Inside Out masterpiece, a fantastic film. Also, before Inside Out, you may recall Up from 2010, uh, another film of a masterwork. I don't know if I like it quite as much as Inside Out, but man, that first 10 minutes make you ball. Oh, don't even get me started on that first montage. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised this is uh, Pete Doctor's uh, Pixar movie. Um, like you said, it reminds me of his other ones, Up and Inside Out. Uh, Monsters, Inc. was his first one with Pixar, too. Oh, yeah, Monsters, Inc. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, but these three, in particular, really go a lot deeper into life and life experiences. You know, you're setting this ultimately in a, a children's movie, but... I tell you, I think adults get just as much out of it on the overall themes that they have in these movies and in these three in particular. Yes. No, uh, most definitely. I would say these three are three very unique cases. And one could argue, and I, in fact, I would argue three of Pixar's best movies ever made. Top tier Pixar. Better than Toy Story films, I would even say. I also want to note, too, that while Pete Docter, of course, is the director, this was uh, co-written and co-directed by Kemp Powers who is a, an up-and-coming talent, but here's what I will say about Kent Powers. Uh, this film, of course, is being released on Christmas Day. His other film that he wrote this year is called One Night in Miami, is also coming out on Christmas Day on a different streaming platform, and it is a film about a fictional account of one incredible night with icons like Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown. Sort of sit down and talk. It's going to be like, it's a great talking movie. Anyway, just, just check it out. One Night in Miami. Christmas Day on, I believe it's Amazon. Same day uh, as Soul, a film that that, uh, that particular writer wrote and co-directed. So anyway, I just want to call that out because he's going to be one to watch in the years ahead. Now that we've talked a little bit about our, our background with Pixar films, Lauren, what did you think of Soul? I like Soul. It, you know, it gave me everything that you would expect from a Pixar movie. It had a vibrant world that invites you in. It had very clever jokes all throughout, which I appreciated. And of course, Pixar does what they always do. They always find a way to make me cry. At least twice. Yeah, at least twice, especially in this movie. And of course, there's always uh, an overall theme or a message it's trying to convey, which is usually a positive message, which... I appreciate as well. We'll talk about it later, but there's one scene in the movie that will just, I think I'll always cry when I see it. Yes, and we'll most definitely be getting that into that in the spoiler section. Uh, but no, I, I have to agree, Lauren. I really like this film. I I don't know if it quite reaches the heights of Inside Out, but I do think it's a great companion piece. If you think about Inside Out as a film that is about helping people come uh, develop emotional intelligence and come to terms with their emotions and figure out how to handle emotions as they grow mature. This movie is much more about the sort of spiritual side of coming to terms with oneself. And when I say spiritual side, this movie is not in any way, you know, adhering to one religion or another. It's just more, more broad and speaking about the experience of spirit, the type of spiritual you experience when you're playing a musician, playing a piano, when you're a podcaster talking on a podcast as a girlfriend, you know, uh, when the type of spiritual you experience, if you're an athlete playing football, like the, the type of things that provide that sort of spiritual fulfillment that um, most humans desire, uh, or it could even be 
maybe going to the movies, something we haven't been able to do this year, sadly. Uh, so that's the kind of spiritual we're talking about. It's not it's, it's not really assigned or related to or making any sort of statement about any of the, the particular religions. And I, I actually found that to be really interesting because it's exploring a part of the human condition that is sort of more mystical without like label putting labels on things. Right. So it's, it's sort of exploring that gray area. Uh, I also want to call out that I really dug the, the, the primarily uh, black African-American cast. So you've got Jamie Foxx in the lead role. Uh, you've got Questlove. Uh, Debbie Diggs shows up here for a, for a couple of scenes. Angela Bassett has a role to play. I mean, overall it's just a really, really stellar cast. And I just think it's a big step for for Pixar as well, uh, who has, I would say, been working on more diversity in their their cast the last several years. But I, I do believe this is the first film to rely specific to really put uh, a black cast front and center. Yes, I really appreciate the representation in this movie, and I think they did a good job. And, you know, Soul may not go down as one of the most uh, memorable Pixar movies like we just talked about, Inside Out or Up, but uh, it is a deep one. It's interesting because this story actually is kind of geared more towards adults because he is a middle-aged man and he is dealing with what a lot of adults deal with is, you know, um, life just in general and just being happy with the life you're in, not taking life for granted. People struggle with wishing that they did more with their life. And that's definitely what uh, Joe, the main character struggles with in this movie. So, you know, animation uh, Pixar movies are, you know, always seem like they're for children, but this one definitely has a lot to say to adults, I would think. Yeah, no, I know. Lauren, I think you're spot on there. I really like how you put that. It seems more geared towards adults. So the thing that's really nice about Pixar movies, at least from my perspective, is that they are family friendly, but really they're, div- they're a lot of times you're handling themes and topics and emotions that are going to resonate really well with adults. So it really is a g- good films for the whole family. This one, though, I, th- I think you're, you're, you're wise to point out that the, the main character is a middle aged man. In fact, I would argue, taking it a step further, he's having a midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, this happens in the first, you know, 10 minutes of the movie. So I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that essentially he at the beginning of the movie, he gets confirmed that he's getting a full time teaching job as a music teacher, which means the benefits, the steady pay. And he's not really happy about it. I mean, he's happy in the sense that he has that security, but he's a guy who never envisioned himself as a as a teacher. He He wanted to pursue his passion for jazz to be a professional playing gigs for his life, playing with famous musicians. And this film is really about him, I would say, trying to synthesize both his desire to play professionally while also realizing that he's he's found in those mundane things he's done has been able to add a lot of value to the people in his life one way or another. We'll get much more into that in the spoiler section, but I, I think that's definitely sounds more geared towards adults. Now, we should also point out that there, once he reaches a certain, there's a certain spiritual type realm that he encounters pretty early in the film. And once he gets there, he encounters a character named 22, who is voiced by Tina Fey. And this is where I would say the more family friendly aspects come in, because it's where you get a lot more of that over the top 
animation, larger than life things sort of start to develop. And uh, yeah, no, so I, again, I think, yeah, I think this is a film that'll play even better with adults. Uh, one other thing I, ha- I have to say, Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor, their score. Firstly, 2020, they also did the, the score for Mank, the film that was just released on Netflix a couple weeks ago. But they have an incredible score here. So for those of you who aren't familiar with their work, they, of course, I just mentioned they did Mank. They did the Watchmen score last year for HBO's Watchmen. They did, uh, I believe, Gone Girl, David Fincher's 2014 film. They did The Social Network, was was really when they made a splash back in 2010. And they really put out some unique sounds. And I think Soul might be one of the more interesting because... It's less intense. It's less angry. A lot of their films come out as very intense. This one feels much lighter, emotional, and a little more free-flowy, like jazz. Yes, I agree with you, and I'm glad you brought that up about the score because it is 50% of the score during that one scene that is very emotional that just just got it for me. Like I hear that and I just, I just lose it. And it's the score. It's, it's so beautiful. And of course, you know, a movie called soul, you've got a lot of soul music. Um, so, uh, of course you would hope that the music is really good in, in this music. A, a film about a jazz uh, yeah. musician would be really good. Well, here's what's funny is like some of the, the, the their score has jazz elements in it, but they, they're, they're part of the, 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 the soundtrack because mm-hmm. they actually, there's actually another musician, uh, who contributed, uh, to all the more jazzy elements. I'm going to find his name here in one moment. Uh, but they did like the actual, like traditional score, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the, the emotional moments that you're talking about. They wrote those, a lot of the piano stuff. Uh, but yeah, th- but there was someone else who brought in um, some of the, the, the jazz, more jazz elements, but it is kind of interesting. I find it interesting that their pieces are actually the ones that are less quote unquote jazz. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it jazz, but it has a little bit of a, a nod to it. Most definitely, most definitely. And uh, the musician I want to point out is named John Batiste. He's doing the uh, is listed in IMDb as jazz compositions and arrangements. So uh, again, I think those sort of that sort of highlights most of the things I really like about the 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 film. Uh, also, shout out we had West Studi, uh, Oklahoma representation here, coming from your Oklahoma podcast up. Uh, Things that the, the film could have done better. I You know, the, I won't say too much, but there's definitely a point in the movie where it takes a very strange turn. And it didn't wreck the movie for me, but there was a certain point, I would say, m- the beginning to mid-second act, where I was like, all right, let's 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 get on with it. Like, I, I, I want to get to where this is going versus where it felt like it was uh, sort of treading a little bit of water. But uh, it also, I, I got to say, without some of that stuff, we wouldn't have gotten a couple of the really powerful emotional beats we had in the third act. So I, I don't think it's a total wa- uh, waste of time. I honestly don't have too many mean things to say about Soul. I find it to be a particularly nice film. You and I have both seen it twice now, and I think I, I actually think it holds up even better uh, on the second time. Uh, what about you, Lauren? Do you have any criticisms or notes you would send Pixar about how they can make their movie better? I don't really have too many things that I would change about this movie. I... I actually uh, maybe disagree with you a little bit because I actually wish that there this movie was a little longer. Um, this movie is pretty short, um, short and sweet. Um, but at and we'll get into it later on. But the end, I needed more. I felt like it would have been nice to have a little more 
to see how it was going to uh, play out a little more because the end just seems like it ends a little abruptly. It does end. It ends extremely abruptly, mm-hmm. which brings me. I'm glad you mentioned that, Lauren, because it does bring me to my criticism, uh, my major criticism in this movie. It ends abruptly, and I don't like the ending. <laughs> and it's not. I, it's not that it ends abruptly is the reason I don't like it. They make a. I I I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe there are two versions of this ending. Because when in listeners, will, you'll know when you see it, there's two different ways this ending could have played out in my mind. And they chose the one that I found probably to be more crowd pleasing, but also I think a little less impactful. And all I'll say is that the themes of the film seem to indicate uh, that our character, Joe, is a little bit selfish and... He learns the value of putting others first and self-sacrifice in a way that I really appreciate. But I think they sort of give him a get out of jail free card mm-hmm. at the end. It feels a little bit deus ex machina to me. But you know what? You know what? I don't. It didn't. It didn't ruin the film. It didn't hurt it. But I would just say I gave this film on Letterboxd four and a half stars. I'd probably, and that, that's the half star, <laughs> is that I think it ends abruptly and I don't like where like how it ends. No, I am ready to get into this. For those of you who don't want to be spoiled on Pixar's Soul, go ahead and tune out now. Hang tight, everyone. I'm going to let go of the wall. Uh, what? He would. One. He would. Two. Three. Approaching destination. Re-engaging gravity. So, Lauren, I want to jump into the themes of the movie because I actually think this film is extremely rich with themes and emotion and big ideas, big ideas, deep ideas, very existential core to what does it mean to be human type ideas. That Again, the fact that they were able to work this in a film uh, in such a way I think is really beautiful. One of the, the core themes that reveals itself in the film is that passion doesn't necessarily equal purpose. The thing that gives you your spark does not your purpose. You know, I... Uh, I love uh, I love riding my bike. Is my that gives me energy, gives me purpose, gives me excitement. Is my sole purpose in life to ride a bike? No, no, not at all. But Joe in the film, his character is so passionate about jazz, and his whole life is sort of bought into this idea. I love jazz music. I love playing jazz music. My lot in life is to become a jazz musician, and it. Creates the, And this is what sort of leads to him to being very dissatisfied whenever he gets the offer at the beginning of the movie. He's dissatisfied because he doesn't see his role in life, his purpose in life as teaching. He sees it as playing jazz. So he feels like he's not meeting his full potential. However, the film sort of says, is really about pulling back the myth and the danger of that, believing that sort of thing. And I would actually even argue that this is a pretty prominent idea uh, and Amer- probably uh, maybe even larger than American culture. I would say uh, uh, maybe just in, in human nature to a certain extent, but I can speak especially to here in America where you think I want to be, I want to do this thing. This is what this thing I do is my purpose in life. And this film is about saying, no, 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 no. You can be passionate about something. You can get energy from something, but that doesn't necessarily make it your purpose and your reason to exist. Any thoughts on that, Lauren? Yes, uh, this movie had that theme 
throughout the entire film. Uh, and uh, even I even like how they, they started it at the very beginning when you have the beginning credits. Uh, you can hear uh, this horrible music play, and it's all these different instruments, and it's just all off-key. And then you find out, uh, you know, he's in his uh, classroom with all his students, and his students are just playing, like, horribly. And it's kind of like, you know you're wanting the music to be so good, but you know, the music isn't always good. Um, so, but does that mean that the music they're them playing music together doesn't serve a purpose? Yeah, exactly. And, and who's to say, you know, it doesn't sound good today, but that doesn't mean it's not going to sound good tomorrow. Or to say that those kids, those kids aren't learning their passion that you know we, we curly is a is a character who hooks joe up with this other famous jazz musician and is trying to get him this gig curly is a kid he taught in class who mm-hmm. went on to pursue that thing you know so I, I it's like it's just because it sounds bad doesn't mean it's pointless yeah yeah exactly and i think that's kind of what they were trying to show there uh and so uh and then he, one of his classmates or his uh students starts uh free forming you know, she starts, I think, she, what is she playing? She's playing the trombone or? She's playing another, uh, oh yeah, trombone. Yeah. yeah. And so she just starts, uh, you know, and then everyone's just staring at her. And then, so she was uh, getting in the zone, if you will. And this is uh, said a lot throughout the movie. And then he goes, hey, what are you guys laughing at? It's like, you know, she was, uh you know, getting passionate about this and uh, it's okay to go off script. And so, and then he starts, uh, he sits down at the piano and he starts playing for uh, the students. And of course he is incredible at playing in the piano. You can tell that this is something that he's really good at. Uh, he loves doing. And in that moment, uh, I don't believe it was that moment, but it was sometime earlier in the movie. He's getting in the zone. And so when we say in the zone, you know, of course we're, we're speaking about this concept the film introduces where when people are doing this thing that gives them passion and energy and they're able to get in tune with that sort of spirituality that we're talking about, this is what in the zone is. So, uh, yeah, playing piano, uh, playing basketball, uh, by the way, love, and I'm not a sports guy, but I did think it was hilarious. They took a nat, a really funny jab at the Knicks. Cause 22 is like, I've been messing with that team for years, knocking them out of the zone. There are so many references in this movie. I think just, you know, pop culture references, world references, sports references, and I probably even more than any Pixar movie I've, uh, I've seen. Well, yeah, I mean, think about all of her mentors, right? We had Mother Teresa, we had Abe Lincoln, they had Muhammad Ali, uh, yeah. uh, the Orson Welles. Orson Welles is one of them. There was a, there's an A plus Orson Welles joke in there about state funded uh, education. It's it's so good. I laughed so hard, but both times. Yeah. Well, okay, so like, yeah, let's get to that. So you know, he uh, goes to his mom's tailor. Uh, where shop where she works and that's when he gets a call from Curly one of his old students and it says hey you know I'm I'm playing with uh, Dorothea Williams and she's a uh, you know of a pretty famous uh, saxophone player and so oh he's like and I remember he even said and I think this is a little foreshadowing he was like oh I would die a happy man if I got to play on stage with Dorothea Williams he's like, well, this might be your lucky day. And he does die. I know. <laughs> and so, and then that day, 
because <laughs> he goes to the audition, um, you know, and he blows, you know, Dorothea Williams away when he gets on the piano. That, and you're right. That's when he gets in the zone, which is almost even kind of like med- meditation. And you can kind of see this little world that he's in. That's the first time that we see it. We see it later on in the film. Um, so the next scene, he is on the phone. Who's he on the phone with? Uh, he's really excited because he, got he just starts call, calling his friends and telling them all that he's going to get to play with Dorothea yeah. Williams. And this scene's so funny because it's kind of like a final destination uh, kind of thing. So he's walking through uh, the city. I believe it's in New York. Is that right? That's correct. And he's on the phone. He's telling his friend, oh, my gosh, I got the gig. I'm so excited. And then uh, the first part uh construction zone and he and a big pile of bricks falls and he almost got uh, crushed by the piles of bricks and then he just walks in front of the street and he almost gets run over by uh, a car and then he uh, almost walks on all these nails and he just gets so lucky that he didn't die all these moments it was like okay well this guy's just asking for it and then of course a moment later he falls into a, a sewer Sewer hole, a manhole. And dies. And dies. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. He dies in the first 10 minutes. Yeah, first 10 minutes. The lead. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. And so, and then, of course, he is just instantly in a soul body on this kind of escalator going to the great beyond. And that's what they call it, the great beyond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. So I think this is a, a really clever th- way that they get around jumping into. They're able to talk about spiritual things, like again, and I say spiritual. It's non-religious. It's just talking about the human condition, how how you feel like certain energy when you're doing things that make you really happy or passionate or whatever. And the film cleverly avoids the sticky, you know, conversation about like what is in the great beyond. The movie's like, yeah, we're not going to go there. It's not about that. It's about. So they kind of create this idea of the great before they call it the great before and that they, they rebranded it to be something else. But the idea that he's a soul that is trying to get back to earth because apparently this, this place is where souls are born and they have to discover their spark. I want to get back to that question though about this, the, the core theme. I, I really like these ideas is talking about like the whole idea that what gives you your spark isn't your purpose. Yes. I, I like, I like, oh. Yes, I was just going to say, so it was kind of like Boy Scouts, like all the souls kind of had these different patches uh, that you that you earn, you know, and so 22 has all her patches, but she still has one left, that spark. Um, and so they have an area in the great before that's called the Hall of Everything. Be careful when you watch this scene. Be on the lookout because there are actually a lot of Easter eggs hidden in the hall of everything. Literally, Lauren's one of those people who who stop the movie and like freeze frame it. You you literally have to in this one. Um, there's just when it's just the big scene. It probably lasts for about five seconds where you can see everything. You can see the Pizza Planet truck. You can also see the A one one three. You found the Pizza Planet truck. Mm-hmm. Where? In the hall of everything. Wow. Yeah, and you would think, I mean, of course it's in the Hall of Everything, because it's the Hall of Everything. A pizza plant truck. We, we spent time looking for that. I know. I was looking in New York, and of course, yeah, that because that's too easy. When thinking about sort of this conflict with Joe, uh, which is internal, he, he actually, from from my perspective, came across as very selfish throughout the, throughout the movie, frankly. 
but there was one scene in particular that I think highlighted sort of how his belief system that his passion and spark had to be his purpose really caused him to be pretty unhappy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was convinced that his purpose in life was jazz music. And the thing is, it's like you said, you know, uh, something that gives you your spark, you know, something that gives you that drive or passion to live isn't necessarily your purpose. Uh, and this is something that 22 uh, gets to learn uh, when, when they stumble back onto Earth and Joe ends up in a cat body. And yeah, this is the part of the movie I didn't really care for as much. Yeah, it it is it's just one big chunk. Um, yes, it's, it's not. This. It's only like what 20, yeah, 25 that, minutes. It's not that long. I I didn't mind it. Uh, and then of course twenty two is in Joe's body. It it's kind of funny, you know, because it's her first time being in a body, and it's Joe's body. And then he's trying to talk to her, but he just sounds like a cat to everyone else. And it is a pretty good gag too. Whenever mm -hmm. like he's like freaking out, and they yeah. cut to the cat. everyone's like, "What's wrong with that cat?" I thought they did good with the because you're like you can hear her, you know, out of Joe, but then you can also hear him in the cat. But then to other people, you know, they don't sound like that. So uh, this is when 22 gets her spark as a human. You know, she's they spend a whole day just walking through New York. She eats, eats up, pizza. She eats pizza. Nothing gives people meaning in life. I mean, that's like all eating you pizza. Need. That's all you need to have a spark is just eat some pizza. In fact, especially some New York. Is pizza. my purpose eating pizza? That's your purpose. That's Heck all, yeah! All you need to do. Validated. Mm, <laughs> I missed the point of the movie. Go on. Yeah, it, and it's so funny because she and it's nice. You know, it's like a, a little kid is so fascinated by the little things. You know, she got a sucker when they went to the barber shop, and um, one of my favorite moments in the movie is when she's just sitting there and she's just. You know, 22 is just looking around, you know, there's people walking. She sees the sun reflecting in the in the trees and uh, she's realizing that, hey, it's kind of kind of great to live. You know, like, look at all these things I've experienced. And but the things she experienced is things that we think are mundane and just every, and he even says to her, he's uh she says, I think I found my purpose. You know, I, it might be walking. I'm really good at walking. And and Joe goes, no, that's just everyday things. That's not your purpose. And this is what really um, conflicts 22. And she's like, well, you know, uh, I got my spark. And when, when they do get back to the great before, she has received her earth sticker because she, she, found, her spark, she found her spark. Which was just living life. It was just living life. And so, yes, this is a moment where Joe is very selfish because he is not caring about 22 getting her spark. And in fact, he thinks the only reason that she did is because he was in her body. Right, or right. She, he, he, yeah, he, she was in his he body. chalks, he chalks her getting her spark up to her using him when in reality he's using her to get her earth mm -hmm. badge. Cause by the way, he can't return to earth, earth without that earth badge. Yeah, exactly. And so he, so he's kind of using her, but she didn't mind because she didn't really want to go to earth until she lived life a little until bit. She, and she realized that she wanted to live. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
No, no, I think it's great. The, the, so one of the things I wanted to hone in on here, and as we're talking through it, I don't know, my, my, my thoughts on it might be shifting a little bit, but the idea that Joe is a teacher really struck me early on because I really thought that they were going to take the film in the direction of Joe is a teacher. That's actually his purpose. His spark is jazz. That's why he's a jazz teacher. He loves jazz music. But at the end of the day, the thing he's actually good at is helping other people find their spark. So Curly is the one who gets him the gig in the first place. A kid, it, Curly even says in the movie, you are my favorite teacher. I owe you big time. Uh, the girl who, uh, the trombone player, right, comes and is ready to quit. And of course, it's actually 22 in Joe's body. But like just that moment of talking to her is you know, really helps her realize that she does like playing music and does add value to her life. And then even with 22, which huh, again, it kind of the way it, where it goes is, is, is kind of strange because he doesn't really teach 22 anything. She just walks a mile in his shoes. So it's just his body that she's living. He doesn't really teach because he's so when, when, when she's there, he's so obsessed with trying to get back in his body that he's not really teaching her anything. So I don't know. I it just seemed like the movie was telegraphing that this there was going to be this. I they, they get like halfway there. The idea that your spark isn't your purpose. I'm like, oh, that's really that's really good. That's really good. In fact, uh, especially in in Western American culture, uh, we have a tendency to wrap up our identities and our careers and the things we do, and believe that's what makes gives value to our life. Great message. I really, really like it. The other part of it that I thought they were going to deliver on, they didn't. And I don't know. The way he handles 22 now has me a little conflicted now that we're talking about it. But it really does start to set. It really does seem like they're setting up like, oh, the thing he's actually here to do is to help other people find the thing that fulfills them. And he does in his own way. Because at the end of the day, he does go back to 22 and does, once he realizes how, A, how selfish he was being, and, and B, that like, those everyday mundane things that we do every day, the scene that you referenced in the, the spoiler free section, Lauren, there's a great moment where after he is back in his body, he's, he pulls out all the things that 22 had collected while she was in his body, uh, a, uh, a half eaten bagel, a uh, pizza crust, sucker, a sucker, a string that his mom used to, uh, oh, yeah, the spool, the spool. Yeah. And he just sits down and like he's like starting to reflect on it. He's starting to just play the, the the jazz jazz music and realizes that those everyday mundane things like celebrating with the, his mom, eating a pizza pizza, walking, riding his bike, playing jazz with his dad, his dad teaching him. Uh, those are the things that make life worth living, not playing the gig. And they also highlight this when he's done with the gig. There's a really great analogy I'm going to hit on here a, a second that comes from Dorothea Williams, but just this idea that he finally gets to do the thing he thought he was meant to do. And he's like, I just thought it would be different. And it just really poses the, you know, begs the question, like how often in life do we pursue things that we really believe we are meant to do and you do the thing and it's not that it doesn't feel good, but you're like, I just, you're like expecting this sort of spiritual fulfillment or spiritual like awakening that just isn't there because it's, that's not really what you're looking for. Uh, so the, the particular, uh, line from Dorothea is this, uh, analogy of the, the, the younger fish coming up to the older fish and, uh, the younger fish says, I'm looking for the ocean. And the older fish says, no, she says, I I'm trying to get to the ocean. 
And they said, and the big fish says, you are in the ocean. It's like, no, this is just water. And so it's the idea that you are already where you want to be. You just don't realize it. Enjoy the little things. And don't take life for granted. Um, and that scene that you mentioned where, you know, he's getting out all the stuff that 22 had collected from the day. I mean, this is the scene that really got me. I mean, he starts reminiscing on his own past. Uh, what I actually think was really cool, and I don't know if a lot of people would pick up on it, when he first starts having these memories, you know, he starts having these flashbacks, he, I believe, is actually having memories of 22 because it was in his body, just like she could remember his memories while she was in his body. He was remembering the memories that she had that day. And then it turned into memories that he had, you know, when he was a child. Um, and then he picked up, I don't know what it was. It's <laughs> those little fly little, little like fly leaf or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. In the, uh, or a wing leaf or something that falls from the trees. And he had that. And, I think that's the moment that he realizes that, oh, it, you know, it wasn't just about that, you know, like life ha has so many things and so many uh, things to enjoy and experiences that you have to go through. And, and that's not, they're not all your purpose. It's just, it's just life. Your purpose of, uh, the purpose in life is to live life. Yes, exactly. Your purpose of life is to live life. And that's not to say that you don't do things that give you more energy or passion and excitement, but you can't make, but by making those things central to your identity, you could be missing out on maybe a happier scenario. Yeah, no, I think that's, um, I think that's really great, Lauren. I didn't want to touch on the actual ending. My criticism of this ending is just that he ends up returning to his body at the end and I get it. He learned his lesson. Now he's got a second chance. I almost wish he wouldn't have returned to his body because I think he made it pretty apparent that he had like learned this lesson and, and almost achieved this next level of self-realization or self-actualization, I should say. And that sort of is his arc and seems like a proper play, way to end it. Now, the happy version is, okay, so he goes back to his life and lives every day with like a new man. That's great. But I also just found this idea, especially from him being as selfish as he was at the film, I almost think it would have been more impactful had he not returned to his body at the end. They very easily could have done it that way. I don't think it would have been nearly as crowd-pleasing. I think a lot of people would have been upset about it. But I just think from a storytelling perspective and thematically, just sort of the, how the film lays things out, it would have made more sense to me. Yes, I agree with you. I think if it ended that way, it would have been more impactful. It would have shown uh, the sacrifice that he made to completion um, because it was like, oh, you know, uh, you, oh, you just get to go back, you know, no uh, consequences. But I, you know, it's just that's Pixar. I think, you know, it's got to be a happy ending. And um, uh, I, I'll admit when I saw that he got to have a second chance, I was like, oh, you know, it, it, it just it. It, makes it gives you, you the warm fizzy, fuzzies. Yeah, yeah, it makes you feel good. So I, I didn't mind it too much. Um, and then, of course, he steps out and is like, you know, I might not know what I'm going to do with my life, but I'm going to live it. And I did like that. Um, I guess I just wish I would have seen more of like what he would have done. 
with his like if they could have done just like a little maybe maybe, maybe you see him going back to teaching and being a little happier yeah. or appreciating yeah something yeah, like that they didn't show any or having a one on one conversation with a student or something because mm-hmm. it does end abrupt like he opens his door and boom credits yeah, I mean I like how they did it because it was like he stepped in the door and then it's like he entered uh, so I like the visual uh, and I think I see what they were going for but I I think I would have appreciated a little more. Uh, seeing him actually enjoying the life that he says he, you know, he's now going to live. And then another thing that I don't think I would have minded, but I guess I get why they didn't do it is, uh, we never got to see 22 in a body like other than Joe and, you know, and she finally did get to go to earth and she landed somewhere. I mean, I guess she's just a baby probably. So. Uh, yeah. That's the sequel. That's soul to feel, feel, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Soul to soul harder. <laughs> Or the, the souls soul to the awakening. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, soul. Yeah, souls. Souls. <laughs> souls. Not soul. Souls. souls. Oh yeah, and you know, and so the, this movie had the other uh, one word factor going for it. What the one word factor? Soul. Up. Inside out's two words. Onward. Oh okay okay. Brave. Coco. Coco. Yeah, Pixar's pretty good at that. And they don't always <laughs> and they don't put the in front of a bunch they of stuff. They don't usually put the. I applaud them for dropping the the. Good job. Drop the the. Exactly. Nick Parker from Napster would be very proud of you, Pixar. Good job. <laughs> now I yeah, I uh Soul Two. Uh, how about this? How about this one? Soul Two, Judgment Day. It actually fits. <laughs> uh dun, 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 dun. trying to think of like a Oh, uh, yeah, like soul. If the shoe fits, wear it. Huh? Like soul, the soul of your foot. Oh, shoe. Oh my god. <laughs> soul two, the shoe fits. The shoe fits. Ah, <laughs> ha ha. Oh boy, we just keep digging this hole I could go ever all day deeper on those. all day. Okay, Lauren. Well, any final thoughts on soul before we close out the conversation? Soul will be out on Disney. Plus on Christmas. Listeners, that's tomorrow. If you have Disney Plus, you can watch it tomorrow from your living room. We can't go to the movies right now, but you know what you can do? You can watch a movie you would see at the theaters. In fact, you have two. We have, you also have Wonder Woman to choose from. So you got you got films for everybody. One get, for the family, one for the teenagers. Yes, get your hot cocoa, snuggle up with your family. This is a great movie to watch on Christmas. 100% couldn't agree more. Last thing, I, a couple of random miscellaneous notes I have here that I just want to shout off, out. We didn't even talk about the character Moonwind, who is the, is this like weird hippie guy who spins the sign around? Oh, he's a sign spinner. He's yes. a sign spinner. And apparently that's when he gets into his meditation mode. Yeah. I mean, you kind of have to, you're spinning a sign all day on the street corner. Yeah. <laughs> so he just gets in the zone. He gets in the zone. And you know what? We d- You're right. We didn't touch on that because uh, we didn't talk about the lost souls. We didn't even ta- talk about the lost souls. Which I, Okay. Don't even get me started because those were creepy. They're creepy and sad. They're creepy when you look at them, and then when you see the story behind them, you're like, oh, my God, that's sad. Yeah. Uh, uh, 22, during the movie, becomes a lost soul. Mm-hmm. And essentially, this is just, like, in a wasteland of, like, sand. And You can't find your purpose. You're just, like, wandering around, and you feel so hopeless. What was interesting I- is that he—what was his name you just said? Moonwind? Yeah, Moonwind uh, says, you know, a lost soul isn't too much different 
uh, from someone being in the zone, I believe he said. Right. Because, you know, if you just are, you know, working and just doing the same thing over and over, it's like, what am I doing with my life? I thought that that was kind of interesting. Well, and to add another layer to that, I thought that I did think that was really interesting, but I also thought it was interesting how they said obsession was another form of that. Yes. Like either, so if you're in the zone, you're, you're, you know, you're doing the thing you're passionate about, makes you happy and you just feel very spiritually intact. Uh, the people who don't really know what they're doing with their lives are just doing the same thing over and over again, just kind of wandering around in, in life, meandering and feeling pretty unhappy. And then also the, the people who have obsessions, uh, the thing they point out is the treasure hunter, the guy who's just obsessed with trying to find this gold and he can't see the forest for the trees, you know? I, yeah, no, I, th- I thought that was a really interesting and fascinating way to realize that idea of, a, of obsession and just monotony. Mm-hmm. So good call out there. Yeah, I wanted to note that because I thought it was a pretty, pretty cool element of the of the, the movie and another, like another just thing you're like, wow, that's crazy creative. I don't know how they came up with that one. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I think that is all we have time for today. So, yes, as Lauren said, you can watch Soul on Christmas Day. That's tomorrow on Disney Plus exclusively. So if you don't subscribe, this might be, I I would say, I I guess, Lauren, we should probably close out the show by saying, for people who do not have Disney Plus, do you recommend people subscribe to Disney Plus to watch this movie? I recommend it because you're going to get a lot with that, (laughs) especially if you're, uh, you know, into not only the Pixar movies, Marvel movies, there's just, it is literally a vault. It is the Disney vault on streaming. And also if you guys watched the investor briefing, uh, last week, (laughs) Disney is on the way with all the content for all the things that you could ever want. Content gluttony is what I would call it. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, you can keep up with more episodes of the podcast by heading over to thecinematropolis.com or subscribing via your preferred podcast app. You can also follow The Cinematropolis and all of our work here at The Cinematic Schematic um, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Cinematropolis or on Twitter at The Cinematrop. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter tweeting about all the things, film, video game, television shows, all those things on Twitter at C Masters Talk. That's letter C Masters Talk. Lauren Weingart, where can people keep up with you and all of the wonderful things you're doing at Video Peach online? Yes, you can follow me on Instagram at Video Peach Productions. And you can also like my page on Facebook, also Video Peach Productions. And uh, if you are or know someone that is getting married, Video Peach does wedding videography in the Oklahoma City area. Ladies and gentlemen, it's peachy. It's just peachy. Getting married, thinking about getting married, have nieces, nephews getting married, have friends getting married. You know who to call. Video Peach. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about the other Christmas Day release, Wonder Woman 1984. I am so glad we can finally watch this movie and put it behind us. I just hope it was worth the amount of ads I had to sit through in the last 365 days. Catch you again next time. All right, Lauren, first podcast, how'd it go? You know, uh, 
podcasting is kind of a lot like jazz. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my girlfriend, the video peach. Thanks very much for joining me today, Lauren. Thank you so much, Caleb.